Hey folks, we're back here, back in Juneau, joined uh, by my buddy Nils Andreasen. Hello, Nils. Hey, Jeff. Your office is um, not small. It's an improvement from my last office, for sure. I'm happy with it. I gotta say, corner office and a view that is worth a thousand words. I mean, you got the cruise ships here. Yep. You got the whole bay. Yep, Douglas Island across the uh, street there, yeah. And then you got down right across, you have the, the hangar and the Palomini place, so you can just get a little snack. I have options. You have many options. Yeah. And the Capitol's not too far away <laughs> nope. either. So just a little uh, hike up the hill. Which I see you there a lot. Well, I'm sorry, but um, I think it's important to be up there and be present. So you're the executive director of the um, Alaska Municipal League. For just under a year now, yeah. Which basically it's municipalities from all over the state. You, you kind of represent their interests and, and their their desires or needs. And, yeah. And Juno, so, right? AML, older than the state, um, comprised of 165 cities and boroughs. Um, incredibly different and diverse and uh, amazing. So, My friend Sabrina Combs, who I do a podcast with, yeah. it's called Landmine Love. It's uh, not political. I, I've heard. You've heard about it, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I bet you have. Yeah. So she's on the board. She is, uh, yeah. She's on the uh, Palmer City Council. Right. So. Yep. And then we have so, some Anchorage folks I know that have been involved over the years. Yeah, yeah. We've got a great board uh, all around the state, uh, folks from Bethel and uh, Kotzebue and a, a number from Co- uh, Kodiak. Is there ever any so, kind of, um, I don't know, infighting? Because I mean, the needs of Anchorage is different than Bethel, different than Fairbank. Different, you know, is there kind of people arguing ever about what the mission should be? Or is it kind of people kind of agreeing more about? yeah. I don't know that they argue about the mission. I think they, all of them together, very supportive of the organization. Um, but I think year on year, when it comes to different issues and legislation and politics. Priorities, maybe, I guess is the better word. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's plenty of challenges in, in how they coordinate and cooperate with one another. So before we go into the AML, let's talk a little bit sure. about you. I met you, I'm trying to think, probably 10 years ago or something, because yeah. I was, you were involved with Institute of the North. Right, so I was the Institute of the North uh, executive director for about a decade. Yeah. So I went to uh, I spent a lot of time in Russia, and then mm-hmm. at one point I had went over and met with the um, what was his name, the admiral guy, the non-commercial partnership. Oh, Chelengarov. I think so. Yeah, we had yep. like I just happened to be there, and we had. I think he thought I was like somebody. Right, he's the one who uh, planted the flag. Yeah, so I met uh, with the guy yeah. that was his, his like worked with him. It wasn't him, but okay. it was the guy that worked. Mikhailchenko. Yeah, Mikhailchenko. Yeah, Mikhailchenko. so I think he thought I was like, like a quote unquote like a player or something, and I was just like, I'm just Jeff, you know, I'm right. just like hanging yeah. out, and but he was really nice. Yeah, and he was. Uh, it's funny because back then that was back in 2013, I guess, in 20, 2012 or 2013, and he was really pumped about the Arctic, and right. he was kind of at the time um, confused, like why isn't America doing more in the Arctic? And now, now it's really starting to. Right. That's like kind of the conventional wisdom now, the Arctic. It is, yeah. I mean, for so long it was trying to get Arctic on the map, and uh, now it's a matter of uh, protecting what's there in terms of sovereignty and and the environment. So, so you try. You were always. I'd see you in like Finland yeah. or North Russia, or you'd be always be going to stuff and conferences. It seemed like I was incredibly lucky at the Institute of the North, able to travel all around the Arctic, uh, be participate in the Arctic Council activities, um, you, go to all eight states. Um, whenever I think of amazing. you, I think of the Arctics. Okay, good. Those Andreas <laughs> Yeah. Man in the Arctic. So there's eight countries in the um, 
Arctic uh, Council, right? Right, yep. And we're one of them because of Alaska. That's right. But I've always felt like some of the folks in D.C. don't really sometimes give a shit because it's like, well, Alaska, they're their own thing. Yeah, and I think that was always, you know, one of the main goals of the Institute of the North is to to reinforce the fact that, that Alaska has a presence there, that we're focused on community and economic development in a way that's different often than uh, administration's priorities in D.C. Because the other countries, you know, like Norway or Canada or Finland, you know, Finland, I mean, there's such a huge part of that. Their countries are right. in the Arctic, whereas with us, it's just kind of our little yeah. Alaska. They have a northern identity in a way that the U.S. doesn't. Sure. So you were doing that for a while, but you, not from here, right? You moved here like a lot of people. From like Washington me. State 16 years ago or something? Yeah. So what, 03? Yeah, I think so. I moved here in 04. Okay. So we're close. You beat yeah. me by a year. I'm Mexico. Okay. Why'd you move to Alaska? Uh, I have a 16-year-old daughter. Uh, oh, do you, I didn't know that. Yeah. Do you really? Um, so, not, did not know that. Yeah. So she brought me, well, um, they brought me up and uh, her mom's from Anchorage. So I loved being here. And uh, in so many ways, it was a land of opportunity and a great way to uh, start a new life with, with her. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. You have a little, little kid too, right? And I have a six and a two-year-old. Oh, uh, you got yeah. a big spread. Yeah. So people ask me how my weekend went and it's chores and kids. It's uh so your daughter's 16 now. Yep. So back then she was just, yeah, so yeah, just being a baby. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how'd you get hooked up with the Institute of the North? What were you doing? Like, what were you doing before that? Yeah. So I was about to go to school in England and get a degree in peace and development. And, uh, I talked with Malcolm Roberts and Wally Hickel about that. I happened to meet them at a, an event and they were fascinated by that idea. And so What's much. Cool? What's cool? University of Bradford, uh, up in Yorkshire. Oh, nice. The north. Yeah. The uh, north. The north. Yeah. Talk a little funny up there. My grandma's <laughs> from Sheffield. Okay. But, um, but uh, there was a lot in what I was looking at in terms of peace and development and international development that uh, the owner state and some of the, the concepts that Hickel tried to advance really it resonated with me. So, yeah, you, you have the Institute. I mean, there was the Hickel influence. And then I think Mead Treadwell's been involved yep. and other... Mead was the original director there. I remember when I first uh, I first thought about running for office in 2012, I didn't really know anybody. I kind of knew a few people. And right. I met with Mead Treadwell. And, um, I reached out to him at his house, and I didn't know him that well back then. And I remember I'd read a book about Hickel and kind of the owner state, and I'd been talking to him about that. Mm-hmm. And when I said that and when I referenced this book and then, like, the owner state, he, like... I'll never forget he like got up in his chair and like like moved closer to me and got like really excited. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, that was when I knew he's no, he was a Hickle guy. Critical part of you know formulating you know, what uh, how that would be implemented and and the governor's thinking on that. So, so you were there for ten years. Ten is a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it was a long time, um, but it was amazing. It was uh, you know something I started out uh, with you know focused on Alaska programs and emerging leaders and I had a real. You know, I, I went so I went to the yeah. one in Seward. Right. In 2014, I went yeah. to two of them, I guess, but the dialogue deal in Seward. Right. That was right before September. That was right before Governor, because Governor Walker, at the time, Candidate Walker came to that. Right. And a bunch of people were there. It was younger folks. And it yeah. was, that yeah. was a really good weekend, actually. No, those dialogues that the Institute of North uh, hosted, I mean, were, uh, I would say, formational for me. I mean, it really, uh, I met so many different people. Uh, Walker and Hickel and Tillian and Fisher and they had you know, the, living legends. They uh, had the one uh, panel there the first night. It was the the four former a- AGs. Right, that was a good one. I learned a lot from that. And then there was a kind of the group group uh, right. 
breakouts, and I think I was part of the Brad Keithley fiscal. You one. probably were. I was. It's, I, came, <laughs> I came down with Brad actually. I was yeah, yeah. Pretty excited, but that was really. Um, are they still doing those? They we haven't recently. They haven't recently. Um, there was a, probably what fifty yeah. or sixty people. There may be more than that. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah. people there. Yeah, and I love. I mean, the the bringing a group together, the convening and working through an issue over the course of the weekend is just a phenomenal uh, approach. And um, it was a good little. Uh, I forget that yeah. lodge or what was that place? Oh, yeah, the Sorbonne Song Lodge. Probably. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, and we were up in Talkeetna for most of uh, its histories. Yeah, I'd love to do. You should get them to do it again. I'll, I'll go. Okay. Really enjoyed that. Let's see what I can do. <laughs> Maybe AML can do something like that. I have a feeling we'll be doing more dialogue. Um, I think uh, it's something that fits with my skill set and interests. And it's for a membership of 165 uh, cities and boroughs, it's something that we'll, we'll need to do in the years to come. So how did the AML thing come up? Because I mean, there was Kathy Wasserman before. She was a, I remember her when the, there was this candidate for Congress, that Dimitri guy tried to kind of crash the meeting last year. Right. And uh, she did not put up with that. Right. I, I, uh, would he, I, he would be a loose, he, loose he, unit. He was actually that week. He was the loose unit. Right. <laughs> he was because he, he came to the meeting and he brought some staff with him. And then he, Don Young, Congressman Young was speaking. And then he tried to kind of pull a stunt where he tried to, you know, ask him some aggressive question. And then he was interrupting him. But then he had people there filming it. Mm-hmm. And then that like later went on the internet and it became a thing kind of. But she had um, kind of shut that down. And then, and then afterwards had, address the group and somebody sent me like a recording of it and she was pretty much like like people don't come in here and like mess with us you know this right. is our group and be respectful and i didn't know who she yeah. was but i heard the recording and i was like "Ooh, she does not mess around she does not <laughs> so uh, big steps to uh move into uh, she was here for more than 17 years something like that oh geez wow yeah. uh, former time. former mayor of pelican and uh um yeah, she a strong advocate for communities and especially rural Alaska. She's uh, I think she she was here a few months ago. I yep. talked to her briefly, but I think she moved, right? Is she yeah, so she's uh, or Utah. Uh, Utah? Okay. Yep, near her one of her family members and closer to grandkids and that kind of thing. So this was job was open and you applied for it or they came to you or it was Yeah, I saw um I'd been working uh at the Institute of the North Wind with some mayors related to Arctic issues and uh, I'd seen this come up. Um, my wife's from Juneau, so it had always been uh, on my list as a um, you know something that I'd really enjoy uh, moving to Juneau and and being involved in AML. So I jumped at the opportunity. Your wife's great. I, I met her. She's uh, she works in the legislature over there. So yeah, she's uh, she's awesome. Yeah, she is really good at her job. You guys met? She told me like on a on a RV trip or something. Or yep, uh, we were going to. She had. Uh, we both had mutual friends uh, getting married up in Delta Junction, and uh, we met in an RV on our on the way up and spent the weekend. It's a lot better than meeting on Tinder. You know, it's kind of the how it, people meet these days. Is right. Internet. So right. I prefer the old school. Meet somebody in I a think so. happenstance way. Right. So you so she, you guys were in Anchorage, but then she's from Ju- Juneau, right? She's from Juneau. Um, and so we did kind of long distance thing for a, a while, and... Um, uh, she worked legislative sessions. Um, it's and, funny in Alaska, like, we're one of those big states where you can have a long distance in-state. relationship in state. <laughs> right. Usually it's like, you know, somebody's like yeah. many states away or the other coast or something. But. Yeah. It was long enough or distant enough. Um, and then she moved to Anchorage for me. Um, and I think uh, in a lot of ways, we moved back to Juneau for both of us. So so you applied. Was it a long process? I mean, was it like interview? Did it I take applied, a long time? Or? I applied late and... Uh, 
and had an interview while I was facilitating a conversation up in Kotzebue. I stuck hold away in a hotel room uh, meeting with the board. Um, but it moved quickly um, once it uh, got started. So so you kind of knew that if you were taking the job, you would have had to come to Juno, right? Yeah. The case? Yeah. Nice. I was excited about it. So now you've been here, what, about a year? Yeah, we moved in August um, and yeah, bought a house uh, just above Twin Lakes. and The whole deal. Yeah, uh, we're committed. I don't see you at the uh, luncheons anymore. Kind of sad. Yeah, I know. Um, I used to always see you. Hi, Nils. Yeah. I'll be... I'll try to be more active. It's hard to be in uh, a statewide organization in Juneau and, and still feel like you can get to all the other things going on in the state. Um, but yeah, I want to be present. Because I you know, I'm, live in Anchorage and I'm so yep. Anchorage focused, but you know, you have like Chamber or RDC or any one of those many groups at right. lunch. It's like kind of that. And you come here and then you, it's a whole different, even Fairbanks too, you know, it's right. a whole different group and it's a whole different a crowd. Yeah. I joined Rotary here. I feel like that's a step in the right direction to be part of this community. Um, but I mean, you have to pierce the bubble uh, of, of Anchorage and Fairbanks and you have to be involved in, in those uh, civic groups as well. So AML is basically more or less runs out of Juneau. I mean, or do you guys do stuff? In- oh, we're based here and, uh, but, but statewide, we hold our annual conference in Anchorage uh, every November. And then we have a summer. Oh, it's, at the, it's at the cook. Yeah. I the was cook. there. I got to tell you a story. I was there once for the conference, I work out at the Cook. I, I go to the gym there. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you been there? Yep. Folks, if you're not a member, well, I shouldn't t- say this because I don't want to <laughs> get the secret out, but they have a very nice um, kind of weight room and pool and, right. and steam room and sauna and everything. So I go work out there. And then sometimes I'll go afterwards to either the Crow's Nest or like the uh, Fletcher's for a drink or for, for for dinner or something. And I was there one time. I didn't realize AML was going on. Mm-hmm. And there was like, Fletcher's was like packed. And I was yeah. like, why is it so fucking packed in here? And then it was AML, but I was sitting down reading a book and having some dinner, and there were some people, I won't say who, but they were from, the let's say, the Valley, and they had some very strong opinions about folks, and I was just listening to them, right? and I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is awesome. <laughs> let's say the Valley. Yeah. Uh, it was, no, it was we, an interesting conversation to overhear. Yeah. We fill the cook up. Uh, there was a year. lot of people yeah. there. And it's clerks, it's managers, it's I mean, every, finance officers, attorneys. And then you have your elected officials and, and everybody else. So it's, a, it's an amazing experience. So one of the things I think you've been working on, or I've seen you in the Capitol addressing, is, is the governor's proposal, which is seems like it's been rescinded way back by the legislature, but to um, transfer or shift uh, municipal dollars, property tax, oil and gas property taxes, or fisheries mm-hmm. landing taxes. Um, I assume that's something your organization is very f- focused on, right? Yeah, it's been our priority this session. I think we um, we did an analysis of the proposed budget, and and really half the deficit um, was shifted back to, to local government. Well, that's, or what, cuts or, yeah. that's what Senator Machiki, we did a podcast, and yeah. he said, you know, the biggest takeaway for him was people talk about cut the budget, cut the budget, and what, what this one proves is you could cut so much, and then you have to find other ways to pay for it because right. there's not you can't cut that much. Right without transferring shifting money yeah and at some point I mean, when you get to the local level you can't shift beyond that um so you really do have to make the hard decisions related to new revenue or decreased services well he had said it senator machiki in one of the finance committee meetings had uh, told donna arduin the budget director yeah. he basically said he was a mayor of soldatna and he dealt with you know reducing their budget locally but they yeah. have some uh, <clears throat> obligations federal mandates about you know cleanup of oil and gas bill response and other stuff and um, he said, you know, 
we rely on this money, and if we lose it, we're going to have to. What are we going? You know, what are we going to do basically? Right. And were you there? Her response I, was, "It's not our problem. It's not our problem. Yeah. Well, right. it's, it's your problem. You know." Yeah. <laughs> I was and like, I, oh my god. No, definitely. I mean, that's something we've been really struggling with. I mean, I just think that so much of uh, House or Senate finance or a lot of the legislative pushback has been, you know, where's the analysis? Where where have you undertaken a, a real understanding of impact? And the answer has really been, there's been very little done. And so that's AML's role in, in a lot of ways this session is to say, here's what this means for communities. And so we've done the, uh, the evaluation of budgets. Uh, we've done the uh, analysis of different pieces of legislation and it hurts communities. Yeah, I got to, you know, on one level, I got to give uh, Big Mike some credit because I didn't really know the impact of these like property, oil and gas property taxes right. or the fisheries landing taxes. For example, I learned that in uh, Dutch Harbor, it's a quarter of their budget. Yep. And, um, you know, North Slope Borough is a huge, that's pretty much their budget, you know. Yeah. Was, and then you got Fairbanks and Valdez and these. So I never knew like the extent of that. Right. So on one hand, you know, you got to give some credit, I guess, for informing people about how this stuff works. But yeah. I think on the other end, you know, it really shocked a lot of communities who didn't necessarily see that cut. Because, I mean, I remember when the budget came out on the 15th and everybody was like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? But nobody really knew. They, they kept it pretty tight-lipped. Yeah. And then it dropped. The other one is the um, local bond debt re- school, school bond, bond debt reimbursement, yeah. which for Anchorage, they figured, you know, if it would have gone through the whole reduction, it would have affected the local property taxpayer by, I mean, hundreds. I think it was almost $1,000 a year. Yeah, well, 400 to $600, yeah, something like that. Okay, but so then listen. commercial taxpayers, just the top 10 would pay $1.5 or something. So, yeah, huge impact. Was that like GCI and yep. Chugach and those? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they probably weren't thrilled about that. They shouldn't have been. <laughs> so how does that work? So so there's bonds, the cities issues, municipalities issue bonds, yep. and the state has over the years agreed to pay a portion of those bonds. Right, which is similar to the... Um, the state's uh, school construction program, basically, state says it'll pay 60%, 70%, and then there's a local match um, for, for that. So it's 30 or 40%, and municipalities go to voters and say, here's the deal. Um, we have to pay more if the state doesn't appropriate it, but the state has a 17-year history of paying it, and we're confident. So this is kind of a subject to appropriation deal? It is, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, to me, it would make sense going forward, say, because I know they've reduced over the years revenue sharing. And you say, you know, look, going forward, we're not going to be able to maybe help as much. But kind of going back on existing obligations and saying, hey, we're, that seems to be a little more. I think that's, I mean, that's been a challenge for, yeah. I mean, when uh, somebody says a debt is a debt and we have to pay it for one thing and then doesn't say the same thing about school bond debt. Um, it really makes you question, you know, the priorities of, uh, of the administration or the state. Um, you mentioned community assistance, and we've seen an erosion of that over the years. Because I mean, that used to be for Anchorage. I mean, Anchorage used to get it was like 20 some. was it 20 million yeah, or something? It, it was... We just saw a 50% cut uh, just a few years back. If you look at it compared to 1985 numbers and adjust it for inflation, it should be $300 million that communities get right now. It's 30. Oh, dang. So, that's a huge... Yeah. 90%. Um, so do you guys do, deal with the municipal governments and the, do you guys deal with a lot of the school districts or is it mostly, is it more the kind of assembly yeah. council level? We work directly with local governments. Um, so mayors, elected officials on the assembly or, or council, um, with any of the public uh, uh, service employees, clerks, attorneys, uh, et cetera. Um, 
and then a big part of a lot of municipal budgets is the school district. Um, it's like, but, I think it's half of Anchorage's, right, or something? Uh, yeah, and it might be more. I, I think for Fairbanks, it's more than a half. Um, it's a it's a big amount. Um, it's funny because, like, you look at the school board, and from my perspective, the school board is a very boring, you know, run for the school board. It's not very exciting thing, right. but it's like they, you know, oversee a huge budget. Right. Lots of money. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, the local governments don't have any control over how that funding is spent. They they make the um, allocation to the school district and believe in schools, and a lot of uh, them give way beyond their local required contribution. Um, but I think it, this has been, I mean, you, you talk about uh, the role of the governor in shining a light on a lot of these issues. Education funding is a, a big issue that uh, we'll all have to, I think, address in these uh, coming months. Well, there's right now the kind of ongoing issue where they think they can, right. the governor thinks he can veto the forward funded 20 or $30 million, I guess, yeah. from last year. And the legislature is basically saying, no, you can't do that. Right. So that, but that's only a small percentage of total. I mean, the total funding is a lot more than that. It's in the billions, I think, right? For yeah. the, the education just budget. O- just over a billion, I think. Uh, no, it's a, it's a huge part of the state's budget. But how, what is the role of the state? in funding public education. Um, to what extent do local governments uh, contribute to that, and should they? Well, there's the... There's Big the, questions, I think, for us. There's the, you know, the I guess the agreement, or what's the lawsuit? Kasaili? Um, no, the, the 10 oh. kids, you know, they basically... Oh, right. Um, they've decided, like, if the, school, if the school has 10 kids, then right. um, they're going to fund it. And there's been talk about raising that number to more, because, you know, some of these... School districts. I mean, you look at the cost per student. It's like mm-hmm. really, really. I mean, it's like fifty grand or something. Yeah. So that's you know. I guess the question is, you know, when we had the money, we could kind of do that, but now the money's not there like it used to be. You know, and the price of oil was a hundred dollars. And right. So, yeah. So, and I think the education system, the structure of funding uh, education, is that local governments, where they're organized, where you have a borough or a home, home rule or first-class city that's contributing to school districts. It's a different question than in the unorganized borough mm-hmm. um, where you don't have a same level of local contribution. Um, and it's I think it's one approach would be to say, well, how do we change the system so we're paying less? Um, another approach would be to how do we look at new revenues that actually meet the needs that we currently have? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely uh, a philosophical approach in how you address that challenge. Well, I think it also has to, you know, be based on outcomes. I mean, you want right. to. The goal should be the, you know, get sure. kids educated and yeah. high scores and all that. Right. So what else? I mean, there's. I mean, what else are you guys working on? There's the revenue stuff, which I think is probably the. Yeah. Seems like the big one. I think a lot of these things come back to systems changes. Um, I mean, the unorganized borough uh, has come up a number of times in terms of uh, how they're. Uh, how the state's engaged there, what's the legislature's responsibility as their assembly. So how does that work? That basically there's a bunch of, in western kind of Alaska, there's a whole bunch of maybe Western, interior, yeah. It's, it's, there's no city, local level kind of... There's city borough. government. It's it's not organized into a borough, into a regional government. Um, so we've got about 50% of the state unorganized as a borough, and the legislature's its assembly. Um but it'd be interesting to think about what what would it look like for the legislature to meet as an assembly mm-hmm. of the unorganized borough. Of, yeah, yeah. So Anchorage is kind of unique. I forget the explanation, but we don't have a borough. I mean, we do have a borough, but we don't have a borough like the Valley and Fairbanks and these places have a right. borough assembly and a 
like city it's assembly. A, it's a unified municipality, so it's city borough combo, basically. Are you working on or familiar with this Eagle Exit deal? I'm not because they had a meeting. I'm familiar with it. They had yeah. a meeting in Friday. I was actually right. in Anchorage, but I had something to do, and I really wanted to go because I, I figured that would be a fascinating meeting. Yeah. But there's a legitimate. Well, I don't know if it's how legitimate it is, but there's an effort to try to decouple Chugach Eagle River sure. from the municipality, which I don't even know the mechanism. Would it be a vote or would it be a? It has to go through the local boundary commission. Uh, but yeah, there's a process laid out there. Um, there's at least one other area of the state that's looking at uh, forming or incorporating. Who's that? Is that um, public knowledge? I don't know. <laughs> It'd be fascinating if that yeah. actually went down because there'd be a whole question about like their tax base. Because, right. you know, you look at the earthquake and there was a bunch of damage to buildings that um, probably wouldn't have happened if they were following the codes of the rest of Anchorage. Because my understanding right. is some of these buildings didn't, the codes weren't as, okay. like some of the condos that were damaged, um, they didn't follow the exact codes of the hmm. city of Anchorage because they didn't have to. Right. And it's like, well, maybe if they would have done that, there wouldn't have been this damage in these buildings. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I think that, so in terms of systems changes, the ferry system uh, certainly had a light shine. Oh, yeah, that's another shine on it. big one. You know, how do we approach coastal transportation? Uh, what are the needs of coastal communities and what's the impact on the rest of the state? Um, university, you know, what's the future of the university? What should that look like? And how do we hit that educational attainment that you talked about for K-12? Just huge questions that we try to address in 90 day or 120 seconds. It's, like a, it's a really important stuff. Right? <laughs> um, and a lot of assumptions then that go into those decisions. I mean, I've heard a lot this session and I'm a newbie, right? So first year, a lot of this is, is new to me, but a lot of assumptions around, well, the nonprofit sector will pick this up or will the state won't do it. And so we'll unleash, what is it? Entrepreneur, entrepreneurism mm-hmm. uh, and the private sector will pick this up. Entrepreneurial spirit. It's right. funny because, you know, the state, speaking of nonprofits and we, we have, I don't know if this has changed, but, you know, years ago there was a big study, which we had the most nonprofits per capita and they relied on the you know most funding from the state. So we have all these non- more nonprofits in other states per capita. And then but in the past, a lot of the money would come from the state through grants. So, right. you know, how, how can the nonprofit, how can you rely on the nonprofits if a lot of them are relying on state money, which is going away? Yeah. No, I think they're, it's a sector that, I mean, which, it's seen significant challenges. Which also, they have to look at systems change. I mean, they have right. to look at how are we going to, you know, sometimes they've looked at combi- like three, four, not five nonprofits do the same role. And people right. have said, well, what if we work together here and have one group focus on that, you know, and other people focus on other core competencies. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what happens. People have to adapt. Right. And I think they have to do that over a, a time, uh, enough time to, to let them have conversations about what, what what's most efficient, what's most effective. That'll be the conversation, I think, between local and state government, at which level is a certain service provided at most effectively or efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, I think that the, some approach has been local government should, should pick up local issues. And that's true to a large extent for local issues. Um, but it's not local government's job to do university or ferry, you know, these big systems uh, type, type issues. Well, the ferry, you know, I've re- lately been reading a ton about the ferry because yeah. now it's in the news. And, sure. you know, it was, it was around before oil, you know, it right. Was in the, right after statehood, the ferry system got established. Yeah. And, you know, being in Juneau, and then I've spent time in Skagway years ago. I lived in Skagway for a summer, and I've been in Juneau many times over the years. And I don't think a lot of the folks in Anchorage, for example, appreciate how much 
people here rely on the fair for cars or for food or for yeah. you know getting around it's a big it's a big deal to people in southeast yeah and it's hard to overcome any of that locational bias right so if i'm from anchorage or if i'm from fairbanks or pick a community and i understand i served on the school board or i served in the assembly or council or i just know all these different networks like scaling that up to a statewide level is really challenging um, you don't have the experience of you know visiting the north slope or seeing what the northwest arctic's like or going down the aleutians and seeing and each has a different economy each has a mm-hmm. different uh, population and demographics and needs and and putting all that together into a statewide approach is is really tough uh, and is really tough in a short amount of time so what's been your uh, biggest in the last almost year your biggest not your takeaway like your your biggest uh experience or kind of most interesting experience so far with AML. Yeah. Um, honestly, it was, it was the reaction to the budget. <laughs> um, so many members, you know, how many uh, emails did you get or calls I, did you get? I got a lot of emails. Luckily we had a, uh, we had a session here in Juneau with a hundred of our members, um, here just a couple days after. Um, and it was a pretty resounding, you know, rejection of that proposal. And, I think the the most important thing for me is hearing from members and people who are sick to their stomach not knowing how to balance a budget that's just been dramatically changed. Um, uh, Communities where there's not a tax base to pick up the difference um, and how scared some of they, uh, how scared they are for trying to address it. Um, I think one of the, you know, a lot of the things the governor has said, it's in some ways they've talked about conversation starter and what, what kind of, and same same with the legislature, they do stuff sometimes where they don't. I don't think they realize the impacts it has on the average person who doesn't follow right. that, what happens in that. I mean, I think one percent of people really follow what happens in that building. So, somebody a budget comes out and and it says various systems going to get shut down in October and the university is going to have a hundred forty million dollar cut. Right. The average person doesn't know that that that's just kind of political game. Right. And they get scared. I mean. The other thing with the Senate, they passed that, you know, quote unquote, $3,000 permanent dividend. And all these folks think I was getting my teeth cleaned in Anchorage on Friday. Mm -hmm. And I was, I told her, can I listen to, I'm going to listen to this thing. And Gal, you know, and she was like, what is that? And I kind of told her and she goes, I just think it's cool. We're getting a $3,000 dividend. Right. And I said, well, why do you think that? You know, and I read it in the newspaper. Right. And then now it's like, might, might not happen. So I think things get said or people say things and they don't appreciate the impacts it has on average person who doesn't really follow what happens here. Yeah. And it's not fair to say, I mean, just because it's launched a conversation doesn't mean it was the appropriate way to start a conversation. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I can can appreciate it. Like I'm happy to sit down with you and have a conversation and you can pick a topic and and we'll sit down and we'll say, here's my side of the story. Here's your side. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's run through the pros and cons of an approach that makes sense for both of us or not. Um, which is different than a shock and awe. Here's my approach. And it'd be like us doing the podcast and me having like a weapon on, you know, strapped to my chest. Like, <laughs> Let's do the podcast, Nils. Right. <laughs> Let's um, have a conversation. I will most likely feel very threatened <laughs> yeah. during, during that. Uh, Why does he have a weapon? <laughs> right. And it's a conversation starter for sure. Uh, we'll talk about public safety and uh, <laughs> why you have that in my office. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Um, I mean, on, and speaking of conversation starters, public safety, for instance, um, we've got a governor who said, this is my, you know, one of my priorities, right? Um, that was like probably the, of all the things he talked about, that was probably the biggest thing was crime. Right. Um, and municipalities don't have any role in the criminal justice side of crime, but you've got a, 
you've got 70 communities with police powers. You have 40 communities whose combined budget is $75 million more than the Department of Public Safety. Um, so if really? you, well, you want to talk law enforcement or in public safety as it relates to law enforcement or firefight, you know, whatever, emergency response, it's at the local level that you have to engage. Um, and you have to think about the capabilities, capacity, uh, competency at that level. And how do you make the investments necessary to change that narrative? Well, I mean, for years, we, quote, saved money in Anchorage, but we just didn't have any, you know, new police. Right. So now I think that's over time they've had more, more academies and they've tried to grow the police force. But, right. you know, you can save money by not having new police officers, but then people wonder why there's not enough police when they call right. 911 for something. Yeah. I looked, there's a, a statistic around how many number of uh, police officers you should have per capita or something like that. Anchorage should have 160 more police officers than it does. Yeah, I've seen some stuff about, about yeah. you know, other, compared to other cities. and Sure. Um, especially now with, you know, the crime, I mean, the crime is... I think for a variety of reasons, you can say why it's gone up, but right. I mean, it, it, is, it has gone up and yeah. people are frustrated. But, and it ends up not being just a local issue because, I mean, for a, a public safety priority, it's a statewide issue. Um, and crime in one community bleeds over into any other mm-hmm. community. So it's got to be tackled differently. So what's been your experience? I've seen you testifying several times. How's that? I mean, have you done that before? Um, I've done it a little bit before. The first few times I forgot to breathe, um, so I would rush through um, mm-hmm. the the testimony, trying to talk through reasonably um, all the things you want to say in two minutes. Do you go back and watch it? I haven't gone back and watched it. Yeah, I've, I've done it before too, and yeah, I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have said that, or I should have said this. Right. But you've actually done, you've presented before. I mean, I've seen you do longer test stuff where they bring you in to present something. Which is more comfortable for sure, um, where you have invited testimony and you've got a little bit more time to walk through the points that you want to make. Um, uh, but it's been, I mean, it's been a good learning experience at the very least. Um, and I think it's its a great way to educate lawmakers um, about local government. Um I think just over half of uh, uh, legislators have served. I was going to ask, do you find it to be easier to work with legislators who previously were on an assembly or a school board compared to other ones who never had any local government? I should say yes. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they have more experience or knowledge. Yeah, they definitely do. have never done that. Yep. Um, And I mean, I think the the pushback from the legislature on on the governor's proposed budget has been incredible. Um, They've said this will impact local governments negatively, and we don't. That's not good enough for us. Well, if you look at, you know, they're, it's in the conference committee now, but, you know, they, they've, I think, has proposed cuts were 1.5 or 1.6, you know, billion. Right. And I think they came back with about a quarter billion, you know, 250 million or something. Right. So that's a huge elimination of, of his proposed cuts. I mean, 90, 80% or 85% or something. Right. And, I mean, the fact that most of them wouldn't have reduced the size of state government, they would have been shifted to local government. I think that's the point the the legislature is making, um, or that's one of our takeaways, at least. So I guess you guys are going to be watching pretty close for the what he, what he does with one of those red pens he's got. Yeah, vetoes don't strengthen Alaska. Are you guys getting uh, red pens, too, or is that just legislators? They don't. Um, you got any of those? We're not uh, high-ranking enough to get red pens. You guys, don't, you guys are on the list. Maybe it will be now if somebody listens to it. Though. Right. That's what our Some goal of those is. offices got, like, like, boxes of these pens. Yeah. <laughs> really? Somebody, I think Representative Fields was like, yeah, I don't know. Thanks for the free pens. <laughs> he put something on Twitter. Yeah. It's pretty um, funny. We haven't gotten any red pens. I will certainly be following the process. Um, I really, I, I hope that if it is a conversation starter, then 
let's have those conversations over the interim. Uh, there's plenty of things we could work on together and negotiate solutions that are better for communities in the state. Well, Nils, I appreciate you taking the time. It's been fun. Yeah. We've been talking about this last week. I was going to do it, but the Senate was doing the budget. And I was like, I got to be there. Priorities. I got to watch that. Yeah. So appreciate you taking the time and love the office. Love the view. Come by anytime. I might just hang out here. You, yep. You're welcome. It's beautiful. It's amazing on a sunny day. Work at this table if you have some (laughs) Wi Fi. All right, Nils. Well, thanks again. And uh, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast with me, get a hold of me and we'll uh, talk to you next time. Landline.